Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. On today's show, we will recap last night's Duke men's basketball game against Miami. Not a fun game to recap at all as the Hurricanes knock off the Blue Devils by 22 points. Duke suffers a setback loss after the massive win against North Carolina over the weekend. Joining me on today's show, so fired up to chat once again with my good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. We'll bring him on here in just a moment. If you haven't done so already, please be sure that you follow our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast platform in particular. Those algorithms love those written reviews. It makes our show more accessible and easier to find for others. So take the time to do that for us. It means the absolute world when you do things like that. Also, the show is available to watch on YouTube each and every day. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel as we continue to climb towards 1,000 subscribers. Your support means the absolute world to us here on Locked on Blue Devils. Without further ado, let me bring on my good pal, Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, here with us once again. And Connor, right out of the gates, man, what a tough, tough night it was for Duke last night in Coral Gables, Florida. Yeah, we've kind of got to uh, rip the Band-Aid off, right? <laughs> there was a lot of celebrating to do after Saturday, and uh, the, the vapors of that were extinguished, what, after – Two minutes, 23 seconds, maybe 13 seconds. I mean, it was 10 1 uh, before you could blink. It felt like um, just a terrible game. I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, I think there's some overreaction out there, but I also think there's some excuse making that, that goes a little too far the other way. So, yeah, now we got to find the happy medium of it all because I do agree with you. I've seen a little bit of both, and, and it just really was not a game at all for the Blue Devils. A 22 point. Uh, final margin there, but as you mentioned very early in the game, it's 10-1 Miami, and it never really gets closer than that. That's a nine-point margin right out of the gates, and then the Hurricanes didn't feel much pressure at all from a Duke squad who really felt like they got some mojo back following that North Carolina game on Saturday. Is it just as simple as breaking it down that this team really mentally didn't make the trip, or, or what, what do you want to jump to in terms of why this happened for the Duke team? Yeah, I think you've got to start with the energy level. Uh, it would just look like it was lacking all night. Um, it's it's disappointing, uh, obviously. Like that's something you never want to be saying about a team, but uh, they just they got beat to seemingly every 50-50 ball. Uh, they didn't come up with balls in traffic. They lost a bunch of balls in traffic that led to the twenty-one turnovers. Um, just you know, you can, you can nitpick a few positives out of here, but really it was, it was energy and effort that was non-existent almost. And yes, uh, they could have been, they, they pretty clearly had a hangover from the Saturday night game against Carolina. Like that's, that's obvious. Um, but it's I, I pointed this out in my story. I pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, it's not like Miami had four days off going into this game. Miami had to play at Clemson and and beat the team that's in first place in the ACC on Saturday. Uh, they're dealing with the same rest situation. They're not dealing with the same emotional hangover, but 
physically they're they're coming off a relatively similar situation to Duke and they clearly had the the juice last night and that's that's where you get disappointed in comparing the the energy level and effort of both teams yeah, no, definitely so. And, and a lot of people do want to point out to some of the similarities there. And there's got to be a get back factor as well for Miami. It is important to point out that Duke did have that two point victory against the Hurricanes back in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And as you and I were talking before we started recording here today, Connor, it's eerie kind of the similarities in this setting for Duke with the big win that they have on a Saturday. Right. And then a quick turnaround to play on Big Monday. I mean, a 48 hour window and Monday doesn't go the way you want it to. Yeah. And, you know, that's there's probably a larger conversation to be had about why ESPN and the ACC prefer these Big Monday games. I mean, the the programs uh, like the part of it that gets some exposure. You know, you're on ESPN, you're in prime time. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of eyeballs on those types of games. It's usually going to be a pretty decent crowd. Like Miami, it looked like a pretty live atmosphere last night. But and and the other part of it is, you know, if, if you're going to go far in the in the tournament, you're going to have to win on one day preps. Yeah. Uh, you're not necessarily going to play in one state and then go fly three states away and play. Good point. Uh, that's a little different. But you're going to have to win uh, games that are close together. You know what I'm saying? So it's. It's it's yeah it is eerily similar to when Duke knocked off Miami at home, went to Virginia Tech, and came out just utterly flat up in Blacksburg, and and battled back and made a game of that. And you know you can we can argue about whether they should have won and calls should have been made that weren't whatever, but they lost that game and and they lose this game, and it kind of you're you're going from the one extreme of oh man this team's turned a corner, they got a big home win to oh, my God, the sky is falling. We lost uh, – when they lost to Virginia Tech, it was they lost to a, a bottom five ACC team. Uh, not that Virginia Tech's going to stay there all year, but – and now they lost by by 22 to a Miami team that they had beaten previously. Yeah, you take a look. 81-59, the final score for Duke men's basketball in a loss against Miami last night. We'll break it down a little bit further after we take our first time out here today on the program. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Absolutely love talking about this delicious treat with you all. If you don't want all the fat and calories while you're trying to find a delicious treat, then you got to try out a Built Bar. Built is actually tasty and healthy for you. 100% real chocolate is the best thing about them. Yeah, real chocolate. It's that amazing. Unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now the best part, you don't have to wait around for a box. We've always been telling you about ordering Built Bar at Built.com, but now you can find them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Your nearest Walmart today, head to the pharmacy section. They can give you a box of Built Bars, a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. You're also able to order online still at Built.com. Built Bar is a proud presenting sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. Moving forward, welcome back into here to today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. I'm JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Connor O'Neill. 
from Devils Illustrated. Looking at this game last night, Duke turns the basketball over 21 times against the Hurricanes. We've got the box score posted here for folks watching with us on YouTube. And also the Blue Devils gave up 16 offensive rebounds against Miami. Duke getting absolutely dominated on the glass. And that's been their pride and joy this season. Speaking from the Duke perspective, Connor, they really want to continue to dominate the boards. Yeah, that's the part that's got to sting, uh, I think, for John Shire and, and the rest of the team, really. They've they've harped on being a great rebounding team. Uh, we've, we've heard it constantly. John Shire is, is told us kind of ad nauseum this year that when he thinks of Duke basketball, he thinks of a strong rebounding team. He thinks of a strong defensive team. That's what they've been for the most part. Uh, and these, you know, to, to tie it back, like their two worst defensive games have been Miami and Virginia Tech. Um, the game against NC State, yeah, that was bad defensively. But I, I, I think of that in a different kind of stratosphere. Like that was just a bad game for everything. Uh, this game falls into that category, but defensively especially. Um, to give up 81 points, to give up 16 offensive rebounds. Um, I don't know. What were what were Miami's second chance points? Do we have that uh, off the top? I can find it. I'll search and find it. Yeah. <laughs> I got the Duke perspective ready to rock and roll. But, yeah, Miami, <laughs> you got to capitalize off of those 16 offensive rebounds, to your point. Yeah, and – Look, I, I get that you want to be upset about giving up offensive rebounds to a team that's smaller than you. Um, that's that's part of it. But rebounding is desire and, and effort and energy more than anything. That's that's why Ryan Young, like Ryan Young is a below-the-rim player, but he's a great rebounder because he knows positioning and he plays hard as hell. Absolutely. And Miami just had so much more of that last night. Uh, they – they, like I said, they got to every loose ball, every every ball that was kind of either or they seemed to come up with. Uh, it, it was just everything about that was uh, was in their favor, and that's how you wind up with a 22-point win. And now you got to find out how to get over this, how to move forward, uh, and Duke's going to look to do that. You take a look at some of the individual performances for Duke. Three guys in double figures, Ryan Young, Derek Lively the second, and Jeremy Roach. Uh, you look at the box score there, Derek Lively, another game with five blocks, not quite as impactful as the eight he had against North Carolina, but it really does feel like he's getting more comfortable for Duke. And in the long run, Connor, if you could put all the positives together, that's a big one right away. He is. And and the the number that I also look at is two personal fouls. Um, he's able to play 26 minutes, and when Derek Lively is going to be on the court for 26 minutes – you would kind of hope it didn't really show last night, but you would hope your defense is, is pretty decent uh, if he's able to give you that much time. Um, yeah, he's really come on. And that's once you once you get past everything negative about this game, you can start parsing some positives to move forward. That's probably the biggest one for me. Uh, he keeps coming on. I think last night was his second game of the season in double figure scoring. I know that we're, we're not really focused on scoring individually when you lose by 22 uh, with good reason, but that's a big one for me. Um, develop some confidence. He's never going to, I think, I, I think I said maybe two or three appearances ago with you that he's never going to be a 20 to 10 guy. Like that was never going to be his game. Um, it's probably partially my fault. It's it's, I would put partial blame on the other recruiting services for kind of talking him up as this versatile 
wing center who would go out on the perimeter and make plays. That's just not who he's been. That's not who he is. And it's not who he's going to be at Duke. Um, If he develops into that, it's going to be at the NBA, quite frankly. So what Duke needs from him is exactly what he's been doing for the last four, five, six games, scoring points around the rim, uh, rim protecting on defense, and being active as a rebounder. Um, He's really impressed me the way he's able to tip balls to himself. Like he's, I just talked about how size is and everything with rebounding, but when he's seven one, he's able to go up with his long arms and kind of tip the ball and keep it alive. Even no if he's in position, he's able to kind of put himself in position with a tip, and that's been really, really important, really impressive to watch uh, his development in that area. I'm more prepared now, Connor. Twenty four second <laughs> chance points for Miami. So those sixteen offensive rebounds turn into those twenty four second chance points for the Hurricanes. So you've got a game like this, and there are positives, right? Like I'm totally there with, with Derek Lively the second where he's at. We've been impressed with Kyle Filipowski throughout the season. Roach is clearly the, uh, the, the, the leader of this bunch. Been inconsistent at times from battling injuries. We're still waiting for the Derek Whitehead return, which could be quite soon, could be Saturday, and Duke's trip to Charlottesville. But a game like this and your years covering the sport, Connor, is the best scenario with a young team like Duke here to focus a lot on last night? Or from the coaching perspective from John Shire, is it better, let's flush that away, forget about everything that happened, and move on to Virginia? Yeah, I think it's the latter. Okay. Um, this is a lesson you've already learned. Uh, that and and that'll be the frustration. Was John Shire thought his team had turned a corner from this, um, but how many different ways can you tell your team that they have to get up for every game? Uh, how many times can you harp on them that they have to play with energy and effort every single possession? Like it just wasn't there last night. Uh, they're not out of the woods with a Saturday-Monday swing. They have another one uh, in a couple weeks, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, the the other, the other Monday swing of that is going to be a home game against Louisville, which is a little easier than playing Virginia Tech uh, or Miami at their places. But more than anything, I just I, I look at it and I think uh, I think Duke has a day off today. So they get to kind of flush the system after getting back late last night. Um, they then go into practice and prep for for Virginia on Wednesday. That's going to be a really tough game, obviously, up at Virginia. But if if you can't get up for that one, you can't get up for any road game. And I guess it's a good thing that the ACC tournament and NCAA tournaments aren't played in, in home arenas. Jeez, yeah. Um, but – but yeah, I, I look. I, I think, I think this is a bad game. Obviously, it, it's it gives you some cause for concern, but it's not burn everything down. Uh, we're going to be terrible. Chalk up every road game in the future as a loss type of performance. I think it's just they played a bad game. Uh, they played a bad game on short rest. They're playing a really good team. Like th- this is. I think that's part of what's been lost in the in the Twitter and, and message board discussion. Miami's probably a better team than Duke. I don't I don't think that's a stretch to say. They're ahead of them in the standings. They're ahead of them in some metrics. Uh, Jim Laranega is a really really good coach. He, he's he's got about 
38 years of experience on John Shire, uh, longer than John Shire's been alive. Look, this is this is not the game to to ring the panic bells and say Duke is is just going to be done and you know it's going to be one and done or two and done in the tournament that type of thing. I, I really I think this team's ceiling is still pretty high. Yeah, can't wait to see what this team can still accomplish. You're right. The point about you know you don't want those NCAA tournament games to be played in someone's home building, but if you're Duke, you want to play them in your home building because boy, Duke has been dominant at Cameron Indoor Stadium thus far this season. Let's talk more positive things about this Duke basketball team. We will also do like the coaching staff and flush away last night's results and look for those shining lights, and we'll do that after our last time out here on today's program. Lockdown Blue Devils here today, proudly brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Are you getting excited for the Super Bowl? Because we are. This year, the only app that you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. This is America's number one sports book. We're so excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new, that's even better. They've got so many features that make betting for sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now so that you can bet Super Bowl 57 coming up on Sunday between the Chiefs and Eagles with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown and more. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back in here to Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. You know the drill by now. I promote the college football national championship game with you, Connor. You give me a pick. I ask for some NFL playoff picks. You deliver. Uh, you set up a Super Bowl pick a few weeks ago. Now we know who's in the game, right? We've got Jalen Hurts in the Eagles, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the one thing I wanted to hear from you today, Connor. Who's winning Super Bowl 57? I got to go with the Chiefs. I'm there with you. All right. I'm glad we're in the same boat. Yeah, I've, I've been a Mahomes fan since, like, I think it was his first season as a starter. I wound up uh, traveling a lot on Sundays that that year. And, uh, man, it felt like every time I went to the airport and was walking around on a Sunday night, he, he, he was playing in primetime TV. Yeah. And I just became a fan of him and – uh, yeah, it's it's got to be the Chiefs for me. What he's been able to do with that offense after Tyreek Hill left, uh, it's great point. It's incredible. Great point. Yeah, we'll see if they can get it done Sunday Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Uh, be sure to watch it and uh, pair yourself up with FanDuel, our good presenting sponsor here on the program. All right, uh, Connor, you work for Devils Illustrated and Deacons Illustrated. People can find you online at Connor O'Neill underscore di. If they go to the website, what will they find for Duke basketball coverage? They'll find some breakdown from last night. Uh, they'll find probably the the positive side of things. They'll uh, they'll find a, a column that I thought was uh, pretty pretty interesting on the catharsis of of winning against Carolina on Saturday, making winning plays down the stretch. Uh, what that meant to to Jeremy Roach, seeing Paolo and Mark Williams in the stands along with Wendell Carter and Mason Plumley. Obviously, th- those weren't his teammates though. Right. Um, and a and a breakdown of the game how how a guy that scored four points and had fourteen rebounds and eight blocks was was the MVP and kind of dominated the game. 
Yeah, man, what a game that was there at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, needed an atmosphere like that. Duke has yet to lose at home. It really has felt like Cameron has been another dominant place once again, as it's known to be in college basketball. Speak to that, if you will, Connor, your trips inside the building so far this season. What has that atmosphere been like? It's been great. Uh, that's the that's the oversimplification. <laughs> um it's it's pretty fun because the they've moved the students up onto the onto the standing on the row behind us, so we actually have more space to sit down there on press row. Um, but it's been an electric. You don't episode. mind that as much, I'm sure. <laughs> Man, uh, you, still, you still get hit in the head every once in a while. Uh, the Wake Forest game, and I got I got open palms slapped on the back of my head. My ears were ringing. <laughs> uh, you, you still get showered a little bit. Um, Saturday against Carolina was the first time that I really noticed the um, how do I put this the aroma of the students behind me was sure. kind of less than favorable. But you know if you've been drinking since nine a.m. I get it. Um, the ugly part of Saturday was all the all the stuff being thrown on the court. Uh, there were, there was a Coors Light can that came right over my head at halftime and just kind of like guys they're they're already handing out water. You don't have to throw your empties on the court uh, when you're done with them. Yeah. Um, it's been a great atmosphere. I, I noticed during the Carolina game, I, I thought the first five minutes of the Carolina game was the loudest that it had been at any point this year. And I've been to every home game. Uh, the Pitt game was a great game. The Miami game was a great game. Uh, early in the year, they were really fired up. The The first two, I think it was Jacksonville and uh, the, the second opponent. Escapes. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's been the atmosphere that you expect. I, I've, I've kind of taken note, like, Last year, it felt like there was a lot of pressure on that team to play well at home because of students weren't there the previous season. So you didn't have the home court advantage. There was kind of felt like there was a an effort to make up for the fact that they didn't have it the previous year. And then that team really could not stomach losing in Coach K's last season and uh, losing a home game. And, and it happened, uh, I think, three times off the top of my head, if I'm not mistaken. The um, Miami, Virginia, and Carolina got them at the end of the yeah. year. There was there was some immense pressure on that team to play well at home, and sometimes they kind of crumpled to it. I thought that team played better on the road and in neutrals than they did at home. This year you're dealing with a different animal. Uh, they play great at home. They did not. That they they obviously they do not play well on the road. I think last night makes them what two and five on the road this year. Right. Um. So it's it's a clear advantage this year. Um. I don't think the the ACC will hear the petition to have the ACC tournament move to Cameron. <laughs> I think that'll be in Greensboro. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it's been. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I also forgot that second opponent of the season. Jacksonville, you're right, right out of the gates to start the year back on my birthday, November 7th. South Carolina Upstate, the second opponent, the game where uh, Duke only gave up 38 total points in a 40-minute basketball game. They've been dominant at home this season, and we certainly do expect that content to continue. However, coming up on Saturday, they travel to Charlottesville to take on Virginia Final question for you here today, Connor. The looming return of Derek Whitehead, what could that mean for Duke? It means they'll be whole. Uh, they haven't been whole that much this season. Uh, it gives them an added weapon offensively. Um, I, th- I think last night really highlighted 
how limited this team can get offensively. Um, they really need him. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I, I think you can be forgiven if you came away from Saturday thinking, man, like, I guess I, I hope we get Derek back, but if we don't, we're still, we've still got a pretty high ceiling. And then it feels like last night shows you, oh, this team really needs Derek Whitehead. And it's the Derek Whitehead that we've kind of been waiting for and we've seen in flashes uh, all season. He was flashing in the Virginia Tech game before the injury. He had 10 early points, but they they need that version of him. And, and where I go to with it is Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor had a great week uh, collectively last week. I think yeah. it was a combined 69 points and 10 turnovers – uh, against Miami, they had 13 points and 10 turnovers. Uh, they need somebody else to be able to handle the ball. Um, I love Jalen Blakes. I love what he brings to the table, but he is not a ball handler. Uh, I think last night showed that. Um, Miami was was really geared up to play him physically and play Tyrese Proctor physically. Derek Whitehead can handle a little bit more of that physicality and ball handling role. So I think that's where you you really will uh, will see a difference when he comes back. Love that. Big game coming up on Saturday for Duke, taking on Virginia. Connor, you were great as always. Really do appreciate you stopping by. One more time, give us a final plug for your work. Yeah, it's uh, Devils Illustrated is at duke.rivals.com. A lot of stuff up there for free and even more stuff up there with a subscription. So come join us. We We got a good little community there and hoping to grow it. Yeah, go support them. Absolutely. That's wonderful. All right, uh, Connor, thanks again for your time, and we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thanks, JJ. That's Connor O'Neill joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Really appreciate your support of our program as well. Again, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. Subscribe on YouTube to watch the show daily each and every day. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. We'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.